0: Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. Let me welcome the author of Afro Minimalists because we're going to keep it black today. Guide to Living with Less. Let me welcome the one and only Christine Platt. Welcome.
1: Hi. Thank you. Thank you for having
0: me.
2: Thanks for coming through. Christine Platt, appreciate you. She doesn't have on her signature red today.
1: Oh, I do not. I do not. You know, I just wanted to switch it up a little bit for y'all. <laughs> okay, so you know, people think minimalist. We only have two outfits, so I'm like, let me show a little variety here. We do have, we do have clothes. <laughs> the the reason why I
0: really like what you do because you tie your movement back to Africa. So explain, explain how we used to move and explain how we are now moving or should be moving.
1: You know, I think historically as a people, we have always just been, you know, what do we need? What do we use? What to, what do we love? We have, you know, we come from a country of wealth and opulence. And so, you know, those things are also very much ingrained in us. And then of course the process and, you know, I I can't even, I don't want to call it a journey. I don't want to, I mean, it's literally a massacre of African people, right? Being dispersed across the diaspora really caused us to lose touch with a lot of who we are historically as a people. Um, and with the abolition of slavery, you know, we became we we want to be like our oppressors, right? And so we find ourselves trying to assimilate, we tr- find ourselves trying to you know, just getting caught up in a lot of the societal expectations and beliefs of what it what it should look like to be successful, right? And all of these sort of components collectively have caused us to really lose sight of who we are and what is important to us. And so it was really important for me to write this book to sort of center us as a people and have us sort of recognize like where what are our core values and goals, right? Mm -hmm. What is most important to us? What are some of the beliefs and, um, you know, things that were passed down to us generationally in terms of what we were told? What of those adages are no longer applicable, right? Is live for today because tomorrow ain't promised really applicable, Mm. right? Yeah, that, that was applicable in the Jim Crow era, right? You really didn't know if tomorrow was promised. But now we're living longer lives, we have an opportunity to really do something that our ancestors would be proud of, which is build generational wealth. And we can't do that if we are constantly spending our money on things that really do not serve us beyond taking up space in our homes and in our lives.
0: So Dr. Senyata Amen um, introduced us, I need to always need to honor the introduction. Teddy van yes. tell, my, my mentor told me that honor the introduction your book has cotton a sprig of mm. cotton on it which I you know it's it's interesting to me that you chose that plant uh to and with the red the red background yes. Tanya the red
1: with the white cotton what what why uh. why'd you do that all of it was so intentional, and I have to tell you, I fought for that cover, right? Because so much—if you go in the store and you look at minimalist books, everything is white, or you know, like a pale, a pale beige. Everything is just like shades of white, right? Um, and I said, no, I want this book to be bold. I want it to really stand out. And to me, cotton is just such an important part of who we are. Um, And I really want to reclaim that narrative. I think for so long, it's been a part of our history and legacy that we've been ashamed of, that has been something that, you know, we've we've been told it's something that's like, oh, your ancestors used to pick cotton. But you know, Karen, the first time I got to go to North Carolina, there is a fifth generation Black cotton farmer. His name is Julius Tillery. Amazing story there. And I got to go visit Julius's cotton farm. And I Mm -hmm. got to walk that land that his ancestors once toiled as enslaved people and then purchased parcel by parcel by parcel. So now he owns it. Um, And I got to walk that land and hold cotton in my hand and i have never been so grounded in in the sense of our resiliency as a people and i'm like no this is something to be proud of right and julius is uh he had his tagline is cotton is our culture Mm. right and so that whole experience and just tied to that i want us to reclaim that narrative and so much of our overconsumption is in clothing and so I just wanted to like bring it all full circle for us right and so cotton for me is is very much a part of my culture and even a part of my decor in my home and I like to keep um you know those just raw cotton in its bud and you have those little pistons sticking out that I mean our ancestors fingers were pricked right like this is not a easy this is not easy work And just every time I just need to be reminded of my resiliency, reminded of my strength, reminded that I come from just a legacy of the most resilient people on this planet, I can hold that in my hand. And so it's very much a reclaiming of that narrative for us. Mm -hmm.
0: uh i know no i mean you know as as you started talking i was thinking um so much of why so many of us hold on to things is because our journey and that was a journey our brutal torturous journey for 400 years was so insecure you didn't know when you could be snatched up from your bed and shipped Mm -hmm. down further south or whether you you know so to Things for us represents you know for a lot of us, the reason why a lot of us are hoarders and pack rats and things because that 's the one control that we have you know some of us pack on weight because we control yep. that others pack things because we can control that everything we 've been talking about today is about power and control, and when you have very little of it when you 're very insecure in that way, you make up for it in other ways, whether it 's you know the 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 um, toxic way in which you try to lord over people or the things we collect Mm -hmm. and you're saying let's go back to the abundance that we came Mm -hmm. here from the abundance and as you mentioned gold all of the elements everything sunshine and plants and trees and beautiful fruit and vegetables you know everything yes
1: Mm -hmm. yeah i love it and i want and i want people to understand that like your value is not in what you have. That is very much a capitalistic Western white framework that your value is in what you have. Your value is in who you are, right? And so the the problem that we have in seeking comfort and and putting our value in, in things is it's a false sense of security. What do you do when that thing is taken away, right? What do you do? And it can be taken away through no fault of your own, through through a natural disaster, through a robbery, right? Like we cannot place our value in things. This doesn't mean we can't have nice things. Black folks can always have nice things. We like nice things, <laughs> right? That's a part of who we are. Um, but I think you know there's drawing a distinction there and making sure that our having nice things are things number one that we can afford. We're not going into debt. To have nice things, and that we're doing, we're we're acquiring things for a purpose, for a reason, because we need them, because we use them, because we love them, not for conspicuous consumption, which is a big part of not only just our community, just the societal expectations in general, right? This, you know, keeping up with the Joneses, I think, is what we called it back in the day, right? And like getting people to understand, you have to seek. And understand the value that is within you and what you have to offer the world, and not in things. Eight six six eight
0: zero one eight two five five. If there's someone listening right now that is struggling with, what what do we call it? Is it decluttering or or what what what, what phraseology you know, do we
1: use, uh, Christine? Yeah, Platt? i i like the I like the phrase of learning to live with less. Right, oh, I like okay. to say less is liberation. Right decluttering sort of all all of these words that we hear in mainstream minimalism, they evoke a certain idea or aesthetic, right? People hear minimalism and they're like, yep, she got one fork, one knife, and one spoon. That's (laughs) it, right? (laughs) It's like, (laughs) right? That's the image that minimalism evokes, this image of scarcity. And so I tell people, if you hear that word and it automatically turns you off and you're like, there's no way I can live with one fork, one knife, and one spoon, Then I just say, can you be a more conscious consumer? Can you be more intentional about what you buy and what you welcome into your home, right? Can you live with less? To me, that sort of like encapsulates it all to be able to say that. So I don't want folks to think about becoming a minimalist or having to declutter or having to tidy up. Can you live with less? And can you be a more mindful consumer with the resources that you have?
0: We're talking with Christine Platt. You can follow her at Christine A. Platt, T-T, P-L-A-T-T, uh, on the Twitters. And she's the author of the Afro Minimalist Guide to Living with Less. So when you come into somebody's home, Christine, where's, what's the first room that you look at?
1: You know, it's so funny. Everyone, before I even walk through the front door, they're like, okay, okay. Before we go in here, let me tell And I'm just like, this is a got a, a face I'm not here to judge. Every- I mean, they got a story <laughs> and they want me, they want me to hear the story before I see, you know, the clutter or the overconsumption. Um, and, you know, I like to tell people, I mean, start where it feels good to you, right? Because this idea that if you, like, I, I learned the hard way here. I'm gonna be honest y'all. Like I started in my like closet, I'm sorry, closets. I had closets oh. at the time. And um, you know, I was overwhelmed, right? So I tell people like if if that is your biggest area of overconsumption and just the thought of going in there like causes your heart to pound, that is not where you start, right? Starting your spice cabinet. I always tell people that are like, I don't know where to start, start in the spice cabinet on in there and find the jars, they got all the clumps, (laughs) 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 go find that, you know, that rock of brown sugar from last Thanksgiving and start decluttering that. And what happens is you, you start to feel empowered, right? You see how good it feels to have less in your spice cabinet, just what you need, just the spices you need, just the spices you use, just the spices you love, and it makes you want to tackle other areas this is a lifestyle, right? This is a lifestyle. This is not a weekend warrior adventure. Like I thought it, what made me think I could declutter my entire house in a weekend, right? I blame mainstream, uh, minimalism for that as well. Right. I blame it for What's the name condo. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: you know, a lot of, a lot of shows too, right? You know, um, we would look at hoarders or we would look at, you know, like even some of the the television shows that, uh, you know, they're like, we're going to redecorate your home. Of course, it looks like it's happening over a weekend because it has to be in a certain, you know, time frame. Um, and believe it or not, I mean, I, I like the Kondo, you know, I love this idea of going in there and figuring out what is it that sparks joy. But for me, mm. you also have to figure out, do you need it and use it? Because for me, there were a lot of things that sparked joy. There were a lot of things that I loved, which is why I was like, I have to come up with a framework that allows me to have a more holistic and honest approach. Cause you can justify everything. If well, I look at those three things individually, it's like, I can justify keeping everything in my home. Yeah, sorry.
2: So I have a question because yeah. I have, all my needs are met. I don't need anything, mm-hmm. but I actually spend a lot of money and buy a lot of things. And I spend a lot of money and buy a lot of things because I think it's my responsibility to circulate my wealth. So okay. I travel a lot, and so I see people for whom, you mm-hmm. know, if I spend twenty dollars here today. That's gonna that's gonna pay for meals for a week. So mm-hmm. that's I mean, my practice is especially when I'm traveling. I was in Egypt. I traveled with like 800 singles because I was just giving away money. Right,
1: like, right. So, Come on, Mansa Musa.
2: Like Come on, Mansa Musa. My discipline is I when I travel, I want to bless the places, and, yeah. and it's for people. And so I'm buying things
1: I don't really need. But yeah, you know, so it's, I, I, it's helping I, a family. <laughs> I understand that. and I, And I also think that there are ways that you can bless those families without. Welcoming things into your life that you don't need, right? I mean, I life. when I tra- when I travel, I like to buy a lot of what I like to call disappearing gifts, right? What's so I'm buying, gift? all, I'm, I'm buying all the incense, I'm buying all the soaps, I'm buying like all ah. the perfumes. These are these are things that are not going to take up a lot of space in my home, and if they do take up space, it's temporary, right? I am also prone to. I mean, I understand that, you know, a lot of people, this exchange of goods, but I also just gift, right? When I was in West Africa, I had an opportunity to visit uh, the floating city of Ganvier, which is magical, right? And Ganvier, G-A-N, it's in uh, Benin. Okay. G-A-N, what is is G-A-N? I want to say it's G-A-N-V-I-V-E. E I believe uh Gan- VA. Okay. Don't quote me on that spelling. Okay. Now. We'll look it up. We'll look it up and it's <laughs> the Floating City. We'll just the look up the Floating City, city of VA. and I all you have to do is type in the Floating City of GA Benin. and it will come up. Yes, okay. it is in Benin. Okay. It is a city that was established by a number of uh formerly enslaved people. They ran away from their captors and this is the city. That they founded. Uh, very, if you've ever been to Louisiana, very similar to Bayou Living, right? Anyway, they it is a very it truly is a magical place. Uh, virtually uh, a lot of untouched in terms of some of the customs and traditions there. And I had an opportunity to visit the uh, Vodoun priest mm. of uh, the city of Gambier. And what I did was of course people wanted to sell things, they wanted to, right? And I, I just gave money to the kids. That's what I did. And they gave it to their parents and it worked out. I, I didn't, I, because I couldn't come back home with all of those things. There are ways that you can bless people when you're traveling, um, especially when you want to bless us, right? In, in just gift, just giving just giving or tipping heavily. Right. Yeah, and I do those things, you know, I yeah. yeah so- sometimes, you know, culturally
2: that's not okay. Like in Sudan, yeah, they were very mm-hmm. much like, do not, do not do that. Do not hand yeah. money to children. Do not start. Mm-hmm. But I
0: think, money. I think the, the rule yeah. of thumb here is for us to respect the cultures that we're in Absolutely. and then follow the rules accordingly. You know, I think a lot of times mm-hmm. we come in with our, our Western indoctrination and we believe we got all of the solutions instead of like actually taking a pause to see. But I think some of us also operating in that same framework with our own lives instead of taking a pause Mm -hmm. to see, like you said, uh, Christine, that people think they need things based on what everybody's saying we need. As opposed yeah. to asking themselves, because I don't think we spend a lot of time with ourselves. I'm not talking about, of course, you ladies, because you seem to be <laughs> evolved in a way that many of us, I'm just coming into. Like spending time with yourselves. I remember when my father died, my mother needed a new car. And mm-hmm. my father, because he was dark skinned, never allowed for there to be a black car in our house. Like, you could mm. not, there would, there would never be a black car. He was super sensitive about that. And my mother's like, Mm -hmm. I never had a black car. I was like, well, we're going to go get you a black car. Let's go, Mm -hmm. you know, but she didn't even know, you know, so what do you like her 47 years of being married Mm -hmm. to this person, everything he liked, she liked. So I'm like, you, you get to 70 and don't know what you, what you like, (sighs) spend some time, you know, spend some time with yourself. It's so
1: true. It's so true. You know, I like to tell people to start in their childhood, right? Because that is usually the root one of the root causes of, of our overconsumption, right? It is growing up with parents who are hoarders and saying, I am never gonna be a hoarder, or this is a happy hoarded house. This mm. is, I mean, this is how I was raised. So this is it, right? Like these are patterns and behaviors that become established over time. There are things that we were denied as children that we grow up fulfilling a lot of unfulfilled childhood wants because now we can right I did that with my own daughter I will never forget when Princess Tiana came out I never in a million years thought there would be a black Disney princess (laughs) right and all the black mamas were in the store I mean we are snatching up all the Princess Tiana stuff and our I mean our kids are excited because it's a new Disney princess but they're kind of looking at us like She's cute and everything, but do we need all of that? Right. But it was me fulfilling my own unfulfilled childhood wants of being able to have black dolls that look like me. Right. I mean, I had a, a cabbage patch. <laughs> right. And, but it was, it was just so exciting because that was a moment that I never thought that I would see. And so, a lot of parents, sometimes that's what we do too, is we buy things for our children but it's really us fulfilling that unfulfilled childhood want for ourselves. And so, you know, it, the work for me, and as you know, with the book, ladies, I mean, but I what about start books? With,
2: That's the question. What about books? You yeah, tell me about I don't, books.
1: Oh, well, I'm I'm, a, I'm. you already know. <laughs> so no, I, mean, I don't know, tell me, what about books? You, I'm gonna tell you. So first, you know, for me, I'm gonna, this book, my book in particular, I start with getting you to do the inner work, right? I don't start with you picking up a donation bag and starting to declutter. You got to do the inner work, which is what Karen was just talking about. Tanya, let me just tell you, books for me—I'm gonna have my books, right? <laughs> and I wanna—I'm gonna—I'm gonna—I'm gonna defend Marie Kondo here because I know she got a lot of slack with that. You can only have twenty books or less. I remember reading that and being like. What in the world? Oh, I know I can't be a minimalist because I, you know, and only to discover that 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 framework came from the the region in which she lived, in which there's high humidity. And Mm -hmm. so no one there has a lot of books. You got to be super intentional about your books, right? But that's another sort of like Western thing. All we saw was 20 books and we like went crazy. The idea of that need, use, love framework is just that. Every book that I have, I need, use, and love it. The minute I don't, it's time to let it go and pay it forward. Okay, I'm gonna be moving stuff out.
0: But doesn't it make you look smart to have a lot of books, though? I'm just saying, even if.
2: So I just oh. I, I recently I have a magnet on my door that says, "If you go home with somebody and they don't have any books, don't f them."
1: Yeah, you do. <laughs> Listen, this is a this is a problem, y'all. Ah, the aesthetics. Versus authenticity, right? Oh. The aesthetics, I'm always like authenticity over aesthetics. Look, man, don't be, don't, don't, you you know, don't so have a whole, big, no, you to, a whole bunch of books.
2: Books go out of print sometimes if you want to be, like, look at Dr. Carr. He got every book. He can pull it. He can, but, yes, but Tanya, Tanya, he's a scholar,
0: but we got yeah. people that have, you know, 48 laws of power and the prints and they got these books arranged and Sun Tzu and, and on their coffee it. table and they ain't read none of them. And you, you're
1: fronting, right? Yes. It's like, be yes. authentic. If you really are not an avid reader, don't aesthetically have all these books in your home making me think that you read. And then I ask you, what's your favorite book? And you're like, uh, the I just buy and all I'm the like, Black
2: writers. Every year, I just buy all the Black writers. They're Black writers. I'm buying books.
1: Do you read I might them not even them?
2: get to read them for years, I, but I buy them.
1: All right. But you do intend on reading them, right? Yes. Like,
2: I, I yeah. bought Jesmyn Ward's books when she won her first- uh National Book Award. It yeah. took me 3 years before I got around to reading them. <laughs> but I was like, oh, man. I just want a bunch of books. I, bought I think
0: books. I think Christine's point is you're a reader. You're an avid reader. Right. So, uh you're not fronting. Uh can you stick around Christine cuz we got to go to break. Um and right. when we come back, just quickly give us some tips. Uh, you already start with you. All right. Start with something that doesn't trigger you like your spice rack. <laughs> Um, uh-huh. and, and, you know, give, give us a few more action items for those people that want to live an Afro-minimalist life, because that's what this is. This is the Afro-minimalist guide to living with less. Yeah. Christine Platt will be sticking around. Tanya Pinkers will be sticking around. Hey, Christine, Christine is back. Hey, Afro-minimalist <laughs> guide to living with less. You have given us, uh, some tips on what we can do. And it's really about honoring the dna that courses through us it's honoring who we yes. were before which i appreciate um and you talked a little bit about traveling back uh give us a little forward moving forward um after we yeah. sit with ourselves connect with our uh childhood issues and tackle the spice cabinet where do we go from
1: there? <laughs> so i'm going to give you there's there's a four-step approach that i have karen and step one, get your, I'm gonna let you get your pen. <laughs> I got it, yep, thank you. So step one is to acknowledge that we have too much, right? And that includes understanding why do I have more than I need and why is it so hard to let go, right? Step two is forgiveness. We have to forgive ourselves and we also have to forgive anyone who help raised us, uh, our caregivers, our parents, those communities that, you know, we, anyone we feel that may have um, contributed to any of the beliefs and habits and behaviors that we have around spending and, uh, and shopping, right? And our consumption habits. Once you do that, then it's step three. Step three is letting go. That's the spice cabinet. That's sorting through all of your things and figuring out what do I need? use and love it has to hit all three of those elements those are not individual considerations you have to need it use it and love it and anything that you don't need to use and love it takes you to step four which is paying it forward and that is finding a home finding a place for those things that no longer serve you and making sure they benefit others in need and that's mm-hmm. the work that's the practice you know, and that's, that's how it goes. I wanted to read something to you all from the book. Can I do that? Because this, I think it goes in line with what both you and Tanya were talking about. And so uh, this is from page 80 in the book. And I don't know, like I have all of my, the pages that are just for us are labeled for the culture and they are black and they are special to me. All right. Mm -hmm. So this is a, for the culture page and it reads, Ownership is an especially complicated matter for people of the African diaspora. From our ancestors being stolen and once owned as property to our need to have things so that we feel in control of something in our lives, Black people have a different, deeper relationship with our belongings. Additionally, our communities are still grappling with generational implications and inequities resulting from slavery, Jim Crow, redlining and other state sanctioned limitations on ownership. Without a doubt, our familial and collective histories continue to influence why we are so attached to our things. Black people and other marginalized groups must understand the powerful connection between the psychology of ownership and the false sense of security it often provides. Our desire to seek comfort in things is heightened when we live in a society where we constantly feel unsafe and at risk. Take special note of areas in your life where your attachments to and unwillingness to let go of certain things may be rooted less in the culture of consumerism and more in the culture of white supremacy. Mm. Although making such acknowledgments can be painful and difficult, this work is necessary, not only for you to maintain your minimalist practice, but also for your survival and that of our communities. If our resources are used to purchase things for comfort instead of building generational wealth, we run the risk of not only remaining victims of systemic oppression, but even worse, contributing to it.
0: Wow. Christine Platt. Uh, this should be one of the books that everyone should have (laughs) Tanya you get rid of some of the books but this book should be front and center we should read it and not front Uh, the Afro Minimalist Guide to Living with Less is not just a declutter book it is a guide to living your best life and that's what I'm committed to Christine uh, thank you for being here today Christine Platt thank
1: y'all for having me
0: hey this is Karen Hunter you can listen to the Karen Hunter show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126, or anytime on the Sirius XM app.